It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless currently podcasting in a robe in parts unknown. You're looking, you're looking comfortable, Painter. Always doing my best, uh, keeping you on your toes, uh, not being clear about start times. That is my bad. <laughs> well, okay, so we were trying to figure out kind of the best timing for this. Uh, because of the news we're going to talk about at the front. Now, we're here to recap Auburn's game against Arkansas, as we usually do on the Sunday shows. But um, there's some other news that takes precedence over, um, you know, Auburn losing another football game in the same fashion they've lost several football games this season. Uh, Instead, you know, we are going to start with the news of, uh, I mean, at this point, we're recording this. This is a little after nine o'clock Central Time on Saturday morning or Sunday morning. Sorry. Widely reported that Auburn has been closing in on Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen to be their new permanent athletic director. Uh, obviously, replacing Alan Green. Uh, Rich McGlynn has been the interim for for a few months now for Auburn. Um, this news started to trickle out. Late Friday night, early Saturday morning was the first, you know, you'd heard whispers of it. Really picked up during the game on Saturday. In fact, first quarter, second quarter for Auburn was kind of getting overshadowed by, uh, at least online, by uh, the news. Now, right off the top, um, as we're recording this, this is not a done deal. This is not confirmation that it is going to happen. Um, None of that. But a lot of folks who are... Um, you know, widely connected, you know, nationally, locally have reported that it seems that John Cohen is going to be, or at least Auburn is deep in the process uh, over the weekend. Um, There's word that Cohen was actually in Auburn this weekend, which may tell you something about kind of his status. Um, So we're going to talk about Cohen here and with the assumption that at some point, he's probably going to be Auburn's next athletic director. Now, whenever that is, it might be confirmed by the time you're listening to this. It, it might be confirmed later. And honestly, there's a chance that it might not, you know, it might not be a done deal and Auburn could go in a different direction. All those options are still on the table. You know, I'm not a I'm not a scoops guy, I'm not a newsbreaker. I'm just kind of, you know, telling you what is going on uh, from folks who are very well connected. Um I want to throw it to Painter to start with. Painter, we talk about a lot <laughs> with the AD hire. It's like, well, what makes a good AD? You know what? I feel like um, this is what, you know, what makes a good college football head coach or head coach hire in general, you know, there are different pieces that, that can fall out of that. And, and um, you know, not everybody's got a 100% hit rate on that. I feel like ADs even more you know, nebulous where it's like, okay, what makes a good athletic director? Um, and so it's kind of tough to get these like snap decisions. Although there's a lot of people uh, who have them already. And we'll talk about that as well. Uh, but from your perspective as the voice of a fan on this podcast, what was your reaction when you saw, Hey, Auburn is closing in on Mississippi state's sitting athletic director to be its next athletic director. I first wondered, did we strike out with other candidates? Hmm. And then I thought, 
well, I don't really know much about this guy, so having a strong opinion about him either way seems foolish. Yeah, I, striking out on other candidates is interesting because the names we have heard the most connected to this job over the last you know couple of months now um, were, well, the big one was John Hartwell from Utah State, um, and we've talked about him in the past uh, because, um, you know, Auburn has, he's got Auburn ties. He's from Alabama. He was the AD at Troy. He's now at Utah State. The other one that you'd heard about a little bit more in the last couple of weeks was Eddie Nunez, who is the AD at New Mexico. Um, he, uh, he previously, uh, you know, before that was at LSU. He was, he spent 14 years at LSU. Um, so that's, you know, Nunez is, it was one that also came up and then you hadn't really heard anything about Cohen really until this weekend, uh, where it kind of, you came crank, uh, cranking up the reports did obviously on Saturday morning. Um, and you know, that's, it, it's interesting because it looked like Auburn had, you know, a couple of candidates at least from smaller schools, kind of making the you know, jump up, had some ties in the SEC, or at least in the Southeast in the past. Very similar, I thought, to Alan Green. Um, those kind of had those, you know, the same kind of check, checked off the same boxes there. Cohen is a completely different case, and Cohen is a, I would say, a rather unique case in uh, athletic directing. Uh, you know, we have seen several 80s change positions inside the SEC over the last few years, right? Scott Strickland going from uh, uh, Mississippi State to Florida, right? Um, you know, you've got uh, the move from, you know, Texas A&M, uh, LSU. Is, you know, they've seen moves there. This would be another one um, if it goes through with Cohen coming from Mississippi State to Auburn. Um, so that, you know, getting somebody who has AD experience in the SEC, that makes a lot of sense. Um, obviously, regional ties are there. Cohen uh, was born in Tuscaloosa, played baseball at Birmingham Southern before he played uh, at Mississippi State. You may know John Cohen most, from being um, the head baseball coach at uh, Mississippi State, where he was uh, the boss of one Butch Thompson when he was at Mississippi State. Uh, he coached there uh, from 2009 to 2016. It is his alma mater, as we said. He was previously at Kentucky before that. And he bumped up to the AD job in 2016, and he has spent the last several years there. Cohen, yeah, it's like not like you have a situation where oh he's 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 had his hand at being an AD at a smaller school or he's worked in the worked in the offices uh, for other places. Now, he is he was a Mississippi State baseball coach who became their AD. Kind of an old school move. We've seen that in the past. You know, like Pat Dye was AD. You know, from being a coach, you've seen that. Uh, you know, Vince Dooley who who passed away uh, uh, this weekend. Um, you know, legendary Georgia figure, Auburn figure. You know, there's that's it, it for a modern move for a modern AD. It, it's kind of Mississippi State kind of did it a little differently there. 
there have been a lot of opinions one way or another about Cohen already. And I'll say this, there are folks who have reported or have talked about where Mississippi State stood on Cohen. Some frustration. I think I've seen enough reactions from, I mean fans, but fans online from Mississippi State fans who weren't over the moon about him. You know, there were reports that, uh, you know, he was, you know, Cohen wasn't on the best of terms with folks at, at Mississippi State. However, as other people have pointed out, you want to kind of be balanced here, he did get a four-year extension, which is the maximum you can get in the state of Mississippi as a state official a few months ago, got a raise as well. So, you know, there's, there's, got to play, you got to, got to play both sides on that one. It, it doesn't seem like if you were wanting to get a guy out of there, you don't give him a raise and, and an extension, right? Um, and, you know, there's just different people have said different things about what state was thinking of Cohen at this point. The interesting, the really interesting thing here, I think, is kind of what Cohen has done at Mississippi State. Because, Painter, the first thing I thought of when this when this kind of broke out is, to me, I feel like right now, these last, you know, really last five, six years, Mississippi State has been more relevant in multiple sports than they have been in my entire lifetime. It's not just a baseball school. It's not just, oh, they had a really good year with uh, with football. Um, it's not just the women's basketball program having that, that run. Like they, they seem to be more well-rounded. There was a lot of emphasis placed on um, facilities upgrades. State has done a lot in terms of their facilities in a lot of different sports. The hump still stands uh, as their basketball as their basketball arena, but they've done a lot. They've, uh, Duty Noble Field, Mississippi State's baseball stadium, I mean, that looks like a dadgum minor league baseball park. It is super super nice. Um, they've done some things at Davis Wade. Uh, they've made you know really big moves in a lot of other areas of their of their facilities. They've taken upgrades, so that seems to be a kind of a big thing there. But, yeah, it's just uh, Mississippi, it's an interesting case because you're talking about getting somebody who's a sitting AD in the SEC. You're talking about getting somebody who has experience doing this. Um, and I think, uh, to me, it's 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 a question of, okay, where does Auburn see themselves moving forward? This looks like a thing where you go with a fit. Maybe not necessarily getting a younger guy. Um, you know, Cohen's 56, just turned 56 last month, uh, according to Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Um, and there's familiarity here, right? Uh, John Cohen was with Butch Thompson at, uh, at Mississippi State for years and years and years. Um, you know, was his pitching coach, was his ace uh, on his coaching staff. Um, additionally, uh, he was... The AD at Mississippi State when Auburn women's basketball coach Johnny Harris was on Vic Schaefer's staff at Mississippi State. So there are connections there. Um, and you wonder what kind of relationships they have and how much that um, kind of influences these things one way or another. Um, again, I don't have any great insight into that, especially those are two sports I don't cover, um, you know, full time. So 
but it, it is it is something to keep in mind. But I think uh, this is a long roundabout way of saying this. This seems to be like a situation where I know John Cohen is a Mississippi State guy, but you have an opportunity to go to a place like Auburn, and he's done a lot at Mississippi State. It looks like, but there's a there's a ceiling on what you're going to be able to do in Starkville. Um, I know NIL has been a thing where he has lamented NIL uh, and just kind of like, uh, to me, the quotes that I've seen from him, it looks like a man who understands that Mississippi State's going to have a really hard time competing in that in that sphere with a lot of other programs. That shouldn't be as much of an issue at Auburn. As we know, Auburn has really gotten their NIL program uh, really up and running here in this the la- these last few months. This seems to me one of those situations where as an AD, it's like you have a higher ceiling at a place like Auburn because historically you have been more successful in a lot more sports. And, um, yeah, it's just there's uh, – I think the ceiling is higher for what you you would be able to do at a place like Auburn than a place like Mississippi State. No shade towards Mississippi State. Um, but it's interesting. And, and is that enough? It looks like it, – it sounds like it is enough – uh, for somebody to leave a place where he went to school, where you know that was, that was his alma mater. I don't think it's like very complex. As frustrating as it might be as a Mississippi State fan to reckon with that, it doesn't seem like, at least if you're to believe people who are online, that they're particularly cut up about his departure. Uh, I do think, though, mm. if you're looking at it transactionally, like. Who has more money? Who has the ability to compete for championships? Auburn's not in that place right now, but it can be. And I think if you're Cohen and things have gotten uncomfortable, if that is true, if there's frustration behind the scenes for whatever reason, then you make a move that is a step up and gives you an opportunity to do some things that, quite frankly, you just can't where you are at the moment. Yeah, I think if he ends up being hired, I think one of the first questions would be, you know, what is your motivation to leave a place like Mississippi State, a place that is, you know, that you've spent a long time at, you've been very successful at, um, to come to a place like all accounts, some programs doing well too. Like I, I think yeah. it's fair to point out some of the successes they're having. I know that people would say, well, the football team is just okay. It's like, well, I mean, historically, what has it's Mississippi, Mississippi State. State been? It just seems like there's been like a lot more balance, kind of well-rounded. State has tried to push to be at least a few years ago, kind of like an everything school. They want to they want to have that. They go to the College World Series in baseball. They they want to field a consistently competitive you know SEC West football team. Um, their women's basketball program not what it was under Schaefer, but you know was getting to the Final Four. It's it's an inter- it is an interesting move for for a number of reasons. And, I, and my thing is, is like I think what you said at the beginning. Um, I'm not gonna. I never want to tell people what to think or how to think. I don't want to. I don't want to ever be that that person. Uh, and I think I think too many people in sports media try to do that, and it kind of rubs me the wrong wrong way. Not saying anybody here, obviously. I want to be very clear on that. I'm talking about like more nationally. Um, stuff you see more mainstream. I like what you said earlier, though. It's like, I think I think the thing with the AD is like, what makes a good AD hire? What makes a not good AD hire? What makes everything click? I think that is just so abstract for a lot of us. 
And the fact that this would be such an interesting move because this is not like a, well, this is what he did at, you know, this is what he did at a smaller school and here's what you're doing. And like Mississippi State's not Auburn in terms of resources, but this is not the difference between Buffalo and Auburn, right? This is not the difference between New Mexico and Auburn or Utah State and Auburn. That it's like having a strong opinion one way or another feels a little, you know, you're, you're, you're racing out to have it before you, you know, I not really informed. I think I think go one way or another, but I'm as I tweeted yesterday during the game when this was all kind of going on and people are asking me what I thought, is like I'm trying to do a better job of not making snap judgments on hires because I am so wrong so often on, on things. And I think even a place like like A D just that that's an even bigger multiplier of like, oh, all right. How many of you listening knew who John Cohen was be like twenty four hours ago? Some of you, you probably did, but I'm yeah. Gonna I assume, think if you're a baseball person, you definitely did. I'm gonna assume if I was just like, who's the athletic director at South Carolina right now? You'd be like, I don't know. Who's the athletic director at Baylor right now? And understandably, if I asked the same question 24 hours ago, because it seems like this news started coming out around when Auburn was playing against Arkansas, it's like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have told you I'd know who the athletic director of Mississippi State is. And then I'm not saying that's good or bad. It's just like it's not something that normal people follow. So how could you in I a think, short how could you if you had heard this news at eleven fifteen on Saturday have a strong opinion by uh twelve thirty on Saturday? Yeah, and, and I think the other thing is that an A D, you gotta keep in mind A D is a big piece, but it's a piece of the puzzle. You know, when you talk about what what makes what makes things go in college athletics? The AD is a big piece, but you know you've got to have boosters on the same page. You got to have coaches on the same page. You got to have support staff. You got to have people in your office in the you know in the athletic department office. You have to. Have, it's all got to be pulling together. So it's like John Cohen or whoever Auburn's next athletic director comes into place. That person is probably going to have a pretty big hire to make in a, in in a short amount of time, right? I think we're all. I think we're all seeing that. We'll talk about the game on Saturday here in a moment. You know, you're you're, you're going to make that hire, but that's not a solo hire. That is not something that just one person goes out and does. Like I'll give you an example here. There's there's the you know, and we saw this when with the with the Danny Whites and and other people over the world when Alan Green stepped down. It was like, well, you don't have. There's no way to have success at Auburn. There's you know too much politics. There's too is you know people of any power play and like. Look, Auburn airs out its dirty laundry. Everything's not on the same page. It rarely has been at Auburn. Those things would be true. But I think often that time that thing gets blown out of proportion. You start getting to things like conspiracy theories when it talks about, like, well, actually, actually the reason Brian Harson's team's not very good this year is because of what happened with the boosters. If ever. No, no. There's some, truth to, there's some truth to the issues at Auburn, but it's also not unique to Auburn, and it's also not you know something that's going to prevent you from doing your job. Case in point, Alan Green went out and got Brian Harson, and it was kind of like going not on his own completely because there were other people who were involved with it, but it was a smaller circle. Like so, even then, even that example of like an AD goes out and gets somebody who the boosters didn't necessarily know or want is like even then there are people. There were other people. There are other people on those calls. There were other people in those interviews. Like that, you're a piece of the puzzle. You're a big piece but you're still just a piece. Um, and so it's like the higher Auburn makes here is not be all 
end all. Um, whether it's John Cohen, whether it's uh, somebody else. Now, like, as we said, everything kind of points towards it being Cohen and, and that being confirmed in the near future. Find it interesting that that confirmation could come during the week Auburn football plays Mississippi State. That's going to be really interesting. Um, just an interesting bit of timing here. Uh, State was off this past weekend in football, by the way. Um, so there's up there. I do want to say one more thing before we before we uh, get done talking about uh, Cohen and the, and the AD job. There's a lot of talk about hires because, like I said, he's probably going to have to make a hire pretty soon in the sport of American football. I don't think I'm speaking out of turn when I say that. If you look at John Cohen's hiring um, history at Mississippi State, it's a mixed bag. And to me, that doesn't mean a bad thing automatically. I don't think it's – I think it's a mixed bag because I think coaching hires are mixed bags, right? He had three coaches in football and women's basketball, I believe, and baseball that were very short-lived. And the moves were made quickly after that. But then – Got a baseball coach in there that won the College World Series. Got a uh, got a football hire in Mike Leach that, again, you know, there's everybody has their own opinion on Mike Leach and what they're doing. It's like I, I want to keep going back to the fact, man, it's Mississippi State, right? They did have that good little run with with um, you know with with Dan Mullen, but even then, it's just like it's Mississippi State. Like, what are you aspiring to be? You're not historically a team that's going to compete for championships. So, be fun, do stuff different. That's what State has kind of done. I don't think the Joe Moorhead hire was a bad hire. He just turned out to be not a great fit for Mississippi State, right? And we're going to put a pin in that because I also believe that Brian Harson was not a quote-unquote bad hire on paper for Auburn, just looking like it was not a good fit. And there are plenty of examples of those in college athletics, including college football, including one big one that, uh, that, I, that I would like to point to whenever – you know, whenever Harson's time is done, there's a really good parallel I think you can point to with another coach uh, who faced a similar situation when uh, he made a move into the SEC. Kept Ben Howland around for a while at Mississippi State. That program kind of kind of plateaued. He gets Chris Jans in at um, who did a really good job um, as as uh, with his second chance in college in college basketball coaching. And I'll be interested to see where, you know, there's so many new coaches in the SEC this year in basketball. Uh, but, you know, it seemed to do a pretty good job at, at New Mexico State, getting them into the tournament pretty much every year he was there. So it's 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 a mixed bag, but I think that's the thing is, like, I think just coaching hires are mixed bags in general, right? Give you an example, as I mentioned yesterday, everybody thought, including me, that Scott Frost was going to be a home run hire for Nebraska. Tom Herman at Texas didn't work out. A lot of other people, I'll give you two examples in this league. I'll give you two examples of people who were hired at the same time Brian Harson were. I thought the Josh Heupel and Shane Beamer hires were just kind of, huh? All right. I didn't think Josh Heupel was going to lead Tennessee to glory. I didn't think Josh Heupel was in year two going to have Tennessee beating the brakes off of teams like Kentucky at home like they did last night. I didn't think South Carolina, and I know South Carolina lost yesterday to Missouri, but I didn't think South Carolina, you know, I think Beamer was the guy there, but shows what I know. And fit is a big thing. So it would be interesting to see what the fit would be of a guy like Cohen and who he would bring in. I think the other examples to look at is the fact that he has 
previous ties, he's been he's worked with people who are currently on Auburn staff in, in, in key roles as coaches and, and be interesting to see how all that plays out. I would think for one thing, you would think Auburn baseball, and we don't cover Auburn baseball, but um, there's plenty of really good folks who do around here. You would think Auburn baseball would get a shot in the arm here because, I mean, that Mississippi State is one of those programs, and Cohen is one of those guys that is like – He's going to prioritize it. Oh, for sure. And Auburn has done a lot in terms of um, you know, prioritizing baseball with their facility upgrades and, and, and such, and I think that would kind of keep rolling into the future. By the way, um, again, baseball – Fantastic crowd uh, the other night um, I saw for uh, that that exhibition game they they played against uh, against Alabama. So baseball continue to roll in the right direction. And as we say on the show all the time, follow folks like Jason Caldwell, uh, follow folks like Brian Matthews, um, uh, our friend Lindsey Crosby, uh, who I know is a, is a uh, sub- subscriber, does a great job covering Auburn baseball as well at the Auburn Daily. Follow those folks; they do they do an excellent job of covering Butch Thompson's program. All right, now that we've done 26 minutes on the athletic director, let's talk about the uh, other news of the day yesterday. Before you go any further, I just want to say, like, I'm not telling anyone how they should feel about the Cohen hire. Earlier I was talking about, like, you know, how could you make an opinion in an hour because you probably didn't know who that was. I think that's true, but if you think Auburn struck out, that's fine. It's, you know, go for it. I when yeah. I first heard the news, I was actually disappointed because I was like, look, this is not the direction I thought that we were going in. This kind of came out of left field for me anyway. And so I was like, did mm-hmm. we just miss on a bunch of people or did the boosters or whoever would like to have a say in the matter decide that this was the best course of action? Why did they do that? In a, in a sense, yes, athletic directors obviously can be good or bad at their jobs. We've seen... Uh, the way in which an athletic director can rub some people the wrong way. They are also a product sure. of their circumstances, like who they're working with, 100%. what hires are available to them at the time. And Where then, they are. Right. There's some things that are out of their control. But at the end of the day, like, yes, you can obviously be a bad athletic director. And I don't think I've followed Mississippi State closely enough to make a determination on whether he's been good or bad. I'll say this. I don't think you're a bad athletic director if you get a four-year extension and a raise a few months ago. I don't think that's the – you know, I think it's hard for me to say that, like, oh, this thing is poor. This thing is going – now, are there people who can be frustrated? Are there fans upset about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. There's there's a billion different opinions on on a guy. And, yeah, like you said, Painter, I think it's, I think it's good. Don't want to tell people how to think. And, like, they, hey – you have a strong opinion one way or another about about uh, John Cohen or any AD hire, uh, and you've got you've done the research and you and you have your opinions to back it up. Great, you're in a lot better boat than some of us, <laughs> including the two of us uh, on this show. I just I, my thing has always just kind of been you can line up pro. Everybody's got pros and cons, whether you're a, a head coach in a sport or you're an athletic director, and it's just you wait and see how it goes. Right, I think there were a lot of things, a lot of a lot of boxes that uh, Alan Green checked at Auburn. I think there were some really good things Alan Green did at Auburn, but ultimately it was not where Auburn wanted to go. And this is kind of the direction: like, where does Auburn want to go from here? What step do they want to take? What direction do they want to go in? I don't think this is necessarily we aspire to be Mississippi State, but it's like we want to do we want to do stuff with you know people who know this league, who know this area. That seems to be kind of where the things are trending at the moment. 
But we'll see. It all plays out. You can have big ideas. You can have big vision. You can have big. You got to actually go out there and do it. Um, and I'd be very interested to see if it is Cohen indeed. Uh, what a guy like him can do, and what he his plans are, and what his visions are with resources at Auburn that are just naturally more than what you're going to get at Mississippi State, right? It's not like Mississippi State's broke by any means, but Auburn, you just have a higher ceiling. You have a higher, um, yeah, just have higher potential. You have a higher earning power in terms of what you can generate in terms of money and revenue and and uh, resources, facility upgrades, all that. Even the fan base is bigger. Auburn doesn't have a huge fan base, but it does have a bigger fan base than Mississippi State. Yeah, it 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 one hundred percent does. So it's a, if it ends up being Cohen, I think one of the one of the first questions, one of the most interesting questions, is is like why Auburn? Why Auburn? When you leave a place like Mississippi State, where you've got your you know it's your alma mater, it's a place you've been successful at uh, in the past in a, in, a, in a number of roles. Additionally. Like you said the same thing, like Brian Arson. That was the thing about Brian Arson. Like Brian Arson had a role in it, Boise State. He decides to come to Auburn. Why? Uh, what 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 that entails is going to be fascinating moving forward. And again, like we said, we're recording this on Sunday morning. Nothing's been official yet. LOL if and, they go in a different direction after we did this yeah, for 30 yeah. minutes. Yeah, you know, that's, that's possible. We did record a podcast one time about Gus Malzahn and – he got fired like as we were publishing it, so shows you how shows you how much of geniuses we are. All right, let's talk Auburn, Arkansas. Penner, uh, you're added in the observations for those of your subscribers on on Saturday evening. Here's the thing, man. This is just it's just the same. Some things look different on Saturday, but even the things that look different ended up not mattering. Robbie Ashford played a great game. Speaking of not mattering, they didn't lose the turnover battle. <laughs> it did not matter. Like normally, I would be like, "Oh, did that's not a great matter sign. whatsoever." And it was like, "Oh, you still got you got Robbie." Stuffed. I mean, Robbie had an excellent game. You know, people pointed out he threw the ball deep downfield and had some huge plays against LSU. It's like, but nah, he he completed seventy two percent of his passes. He graded out as a really good quarter tank. Had a big run. Tank had some good had some good movement. You didn't feel like Auburn was getting stacked up at the line of scrimmage too too much compared to weeks past. It did not matter because here's two things: one, Auburn's defense in less than a season has gone from being the strength of the team to the clear weakness. The defense, especially the run defense, has gotten so much worse. That's just hard. It's hard for you to do. And and the, the second half played out exactly like I thought the first half or the game in general was going to play out. Mississippi I mean Mississippi State. I have Mississippi State on the bridge. Arkansas ran the ball 28 times in the second half, and they only threw it six times. First half, they were really balanced. KJ Je- Jefferson was moving the ball around the field. They were trying to be balanced. Second half, they were like, you know what? We know these guys can't tackle in space. We know these guys can't slow, slow you down. And that's what happened. Um, Auburn, Auburn's run defense this year is averaging, they're allowing more than five yards of carry to opponents. The only worst teams in the country, Charlotte, Army, Stanford, South Florida, Georgia Southern, Arizona, Colorado, Louisiana Tech, and Hawaii. Okay. The only power five teams in there are Stanford, Arizona, and Colorado. There's three Pac-12 teams, and frankly, three Pac-12 teams that are in pretty tough spots. Stanford used to be good at football. They're not anymore. Uh, Arizona's 
in the midst of either a long rebuild or a hire that wasn't great in the to begin with. And Colorado's going to be getting a new head coach soon. Hawaii is one of the worst teams in the country. Charlotte Army, Georgia Southern, like Louisiana, these are these are not programs you should be affiliated with if you're Auburn. Because last season you had a near top twenty run defense, and this year you are a bottom ten run defense in college football. There's only two teams that have allowed more rushing touchdowns than Auburn has this season. In the first half, Arkansas wasn't running wild on Auburn. They've hit some plays. It was just Again, they just broke off in the second half. And Derek Hall talked about you know, guys getting banged up, guys getting worn down. Brian Harson was talking about physically, you know, the team getting getting beat there. Arkansas playing better in that aspect. To me, it's tackling. You go back and look at the numbers from this game. At the line of scrimmage, offensive line uh, for both teams, about the same. Similar number of sacks allowed, similar number of tackles for loss allowed, similar numbers of, you know, plays getting stuffed or you know stopped for short gains. The difference was Arkansas's backs were getting bigger plays running the ball because they were breaking more tackles. Now, Tank Bigsby can break t- tackles. Jarko Sarnia can break tackles. So can um, Robbie Ashford. But, man, how about the the 76-yarder from Rocket Sanders where it was just, just kind of wait, wait, wait. Okay, here we go. Boom. And off to the outside. Bad fit. You know, K.J. Jefferson had a couple of really nasty broken tackles in this game. Auburn's uh, missed tackle count, I think, was 13, according to PFF. Not as bad as the old miss game, but still a pretty wrong direction they've been heading in. Um, you know, Owen Papo makes a good play at the beginning of the game to get things going for Auburn. It was, it was a blitz, and they, they caught Arkansas off guard and made a play, got a three and out. Don't have a whole lot from your linebackers outside of that. Now, you saw some Desmond Tisdale. You saw some Robert Woodyard in this game, especially as you got into the second half. It's just the missed tackles. I mean, it's just time and time again. And Auburn's just giving up chunk plays, chunk plays, chunk plays. Yesterday, Arkansas's pass defense got to work on them. There were some pass interference calls they had to, that Auburn had to deal with. DJ James played well. Uh, had a crazy good pass breakup. But, like, still, it was just... Arkansas got to do whatever they wanted. And in the second half is because they could run the ball because it's the easiest thing to do. If you don't have to put the ball in the air, you know, it's the whole thing is like when you, when the ball leaves your hands, you know, three things can happen and two of them are bad. Um, You know, or two of them are negative as, as a lot of people like to say when it comes to, uh, you know, it's an old football thing. So Arkansas just ran it and ran it and ran it. And, the thing I go back to is the tackling. I mean, this is fundamental stuff, as Colby Wooden said every game. We got to get back to the fundamentals of wrapping up. Bro, this is the eighth game of the season. You're an SEC West defense. And as Brian Harson and Derek Hall and Colby Wooden all said after the game, Arkansas did not do anything on that field Saturday that took them by surprise. They saw all of it on film. That was Harson's own words. So if you've seen it on film and they're not catching you off guard and you're still giving up over 500 yards, you've given up over 1,000 yards rushing these last three games combined, that's that's on you. That's on you. Like, you're not doing the things correctly. You're not preparing correctly. You're not, like, 
Auburn is out of alignment. They're out of their gaps. They're missing tackles. They're doing so much stuff that you just you can't be having at this point in the year. It begs the question whether oversimplified or unfair what some members of the staff are doing uh, during the week. As you say, some of that is on the players. Like the coaches can't make them wrap up. To have gone, but they're not the ones getting paid millions of dollars. To have gone from a perfectly fine, even good defense last year to whatever this is. Uh, mm. Yeah, and then you have Brian Harson in the post-game press conference getting weirdly defensive when they were saying like, hey. <laughs> so like Tom, so like Tom Green at AL.com, obviously friend of the program. <laughs> it was like, what's happened to this run defense? He's like, what what happened to this run defense? It's been, you know, in years past, this has been a strength of the team. What's happened this year for all the regression? And Harson was like, you mean the teams we didn't coach? And Tom, shout out to Tom, man. Uh, he was like, no, how about last year? Well, last season, this was a strength of Auburn's team. It was the one thing Auburn did pretty consistently well last season. And it's gone backwards so, so much. And, yes, you did lose your linebackers, your 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 two, your top two linebackers. But, like, even still, it's just the missed tackles, the getting out of alignment. It's just this is a team that's fundamentally broken on defense. The fits, the, the, the tackle, it's just – this is stuff that is – you can't even sit here and say, like, well, Auburn's getting out-talented. It's Arkansas. This is not a great Arkansas team. When they play well, it's a good Arkansas team. It's Arkansas. It's a team that you took care of on the road with a lot of the same players on defense. A lot of the same players, especially at the last scrimmage. And it's just how does it get that bad that quickly if you're Auburn? And that's therein lies the issue. Another thing Brian Harson said after the press guy, he said it like four or five times or something along those lines. It's like, hey, what's happening? Why have you gone backwards? Why is this not working? Why is that not working? And for yet another week in a row, he's at the podium saying, well, I think if we knew that, we would fix it. Oh, we don't have a finger on that. And it's like, yeah, that might be true. Like, it would be one thing. It's like, we know what we can do to fix it. We're just not doing it yet, or we just haven't done it. It's like, no, we. you don't have any answers. You have no answers at this point. And that's the problem, is that there's no answer. There's no fix. And then you look and see that recruiting's not doing well, and you look and see where the roster could be next year. It's just like, we said it before the game, before the game Painter. Auburn was 9-1 coming off of off week since 2013. Brian Harson was 9-1 coming off of off weeks as a head coach. If they were going to show any life, it was going to be here. And, yeah, there was a point in the, the middle eight. Hey, Auburn won the middle eight. I've seen all your tweets. Um, they did, but it doesn't matter if you start poorly and end, and, and even worse. Um, it doesn't matter as much. But even when Auburn made it a one-possession game, it never felt like they were getting right back in it. And then the second half, they start the second half with an empty drive, and they get a field goal blocked, and it was just like Arkansas just takes over from there. And as soon as Arkansas went back up two scores early in the se- or in the second half, it felt like it was done. It felt like it was over. And Auburn moves the ball and scores down the stretch, but it was virtual garbage time. The game, the game had already been decided at that point. 
The inability of Brian Harson to garner sympathy from the majority of the fan base. I do think there are people out there that feel for him. They're frustrated about the offseason or think he never got a fair shake, whatever. I mean, I think most people have moved on, but I know that there are those people out there that still exist. He has not garnered any sympathy in part because I think he is so off-putting, and yesterday's press conference was a good example of that. Look, I know it's got to be tough. You're failing publicly. He has largely been a successful coach, so this is a new experience to him. He's getting criticized everywhere he looks. He has no support. The, the person that probably would have supported you is not there anymore, Alan Green. All that aside, like he makes it really hard to like him. And sometimes that's really important, especially in a, yeah. in a public position. Nobody likes him. Yeah, if 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 uh, if Auburn ends up firing Brian Harson at the end of the season, or like two years is not a long time. Well, what did you do in those two years? And it's Auburn's on-field product has regressed. Their off-field product, in terms of recruiting, has regressed. And you simply can't afford to keep that up anymore. If you're Auburn, like if you're coming off an off week and you're do- making the same mistakes and you're looking the same way on the field, and it's like even when things work well, even it, when Robbie Ashford plays pretty well even when you can get some stuff going from your offense in the in the running game it still didn't matter you didn't turn the ball over you didn't have very many penalties didn't matter it did not matter in this game and there's no answers for it there's no answers for why the defense is like says well you got to tackle better why are you not tackling as well there's no answers I think there was a quote from Jeff Schmetting after the game to the radio where it was like, well, they're all playing hard. It's like, yeah. And, I mean, heck, look at a guy like Cameron Brown. Look at Robbie Ashford down the stretch of that game where it's like they didn't give up. They were putting points on the board. Jarquez, like, they were trying to keep – they haven't packed it up and folded. Yeah, I saw this someone – This is just not a good football team. I saw someone try to say team. that they weren't playing hard, and I was like, man, that is not the problem. They're not good. But once again, they haven't quit. Yeah, no, I, I I agree. I 100% agree. I mean, it's just um, not very good. It's not, this is Offensively, there's, no, there's really no answers either. Like, offensively, you can't finish your drives. Even with good play from Robbie Ashford, even with some good moments from your running game, you know, it's, it's some of the stuff we've seen all year. There were six times yesterday where Auburn had a negative play or an empty play on first down. On four of those six times, so two-thirds of them, they ended up punting three plays later. It's still super inconsistent, and when they get close to scoring range a lot of times, like they didn't have – they didn't score a touchdown in this game until Tank Bigsby had to make a big play happen and score that way, which you'll take it. You'll absolutely take it. But it was was telling – there was a point in the game, as I, as I pointed out multiple times yesterday, there was a point in the game where Auburn was had five drives that crossed the 30-yard line of Arkansas, and Arkansas had five drives that crossed the 30-yard line. Different definitions, but those are clear-cut scoring opportunities. If you cross the 30, you have a chance to score, whether it's a touchdown or kicking a field goal. At that point in the game, in five, five of those trips, Auburn had 13 points. Arkansas had 31 they were doing way more than Auburn did with their opportunities, and they were getting the same opportunities. 
right? By the end of the game, Auburn and Arkansas, like Arkansas was more efficient. They were more explosive, but it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like they were getting pounded. Auburn scores a late touchdown to only lose by two touchdowns yesterday. So they're down by three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. If they don't score with a few seconds left on the clock, the yardage and all that, there's a lot of those numbers that don't look like a blowout. But yet on the field it did because you this this game is about finishing drives. I've said it a billion times this year. I know people are tired of hearing it, but it's true. You have to finish your drives. You can move the ball between the 20s. You can get good games from Robbie Astrid. You can have Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. You can have Camden Brown and Javarius Johnson make big plays downfield. But in the key times of the game when it's competitive early on and you are consistently stalling out, giving up sacks on third downs, punting, you know, a field goal right now, the field goal is just... Otters Carlson just is not the same that he was beforehand and he's not his older brother in terms of that consistency and that's tough it's it's tough to have that it's just tough to come off that injury but you have blocked field goals you have missed field goals your punting game was inconsistent yesterday you gave up a ton of field position on some on some punt things that went wrong for you and yet there are times where like you know auburn had auburn had those first few drives like for the first three or four drives of the game i think it was their first three they missed a field goal, they hit a field goal, and they punted. And then when they're backed up at their own seven, they walk down the field and score a touchdown. That's great. Having that efficiency and explosiveness on that drive is fantastic. But what's really going to hurt you is when you have clear-cut scoring opportunities and you miss it. The football gods will punish you every time if you don't take advantage of your opportunities. And Arkansas did, and Auburn didn't, and that's why this game never really felt close. Even with the good numbers as I said from Ashford and the good numbers from from their uh, from the running game because you're still I mean it's still just so inconsistent it's what we said coming into the game it's like I could see where Auburn like Arkansas's defense is bad Arkansas's defense is real bad and run stopping and in pass defense but it was like I don't think Auburn's consistent enough on offense to keep up whereas Arkansas has been more consistent on offense and that came roots like Good drives, good plays, good moments. Too many still going three and out. Half their drives had went for less than 25 yards yesterday. Because you're giving up negative plays. You're getting behind the chains. And it's just a, you get a good run, but then the next one goes for no yards, or the next one gets knocked down in the backfield. You can have good moments, but they're not nearly consistently enough because you're not executing consistently enough. And if one person or two people screw up on offense... It's obvious. Robbie Ashford said this after the game. He said, it just comes down to execution, 11 guys doing their assignments, and and we just got to execute better when we get down there. We executed too late when it was just too late. People are tired of hearing, oh, it's execution, but it's true. Like Auburn's not doing it correctly at all in the key, in the, in the key moments. And then when they do get it figured out on offense, it's usually too late. And again, like I said, as Brian Arson said after the game, there doesn't seem to be very many answers or any answers. That's the tough part as the people listening, as fans who care about the program. Uh, you, you know the answer to this, which is there's no answer. There's no help coming. You are going to get another month or so of this, and you just kind of have to 
have a stiff upper lip and <laughs> basketball seasons in a few days. We're, we'll talk about basketball here to wrap up this podcast. Don't worry. And and of course, you know, it, it goes really uh, without saying, but Georgia throttling Florida, Alabama. Um, people are dying to get the first take out that the, the dynasty is over. And look, I don't know, maybe maybe the death grip he's had on college football is slipping a little bit, but I, I still tend to think that um, they're very much in play to go back to the college football playoff. Brian Kelly's team keeps getting better each week. Like all the teams that you compare yourself to are in such better places than you and whoever it is, except for Texas A&M, like A&M's the only one where you're incredible. A&M's at least got recruiting going. Yeah. But we've said this, we've said Mm -hmm. this a million times at this point, but it's bears repeating. Tennessee has gotten it rolling in the same time that Auburn's taken this this step backwards. And yes, they play in the East, and it's a little easier. It's a decently about easier. Like you, they don't have to. But they 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 throttled put, Kentucky, and I know Kentucky's well, not some beast of a program, but like I, ooh. But they do play Alabama and Georgia every year, just like Auburn. Um, they figured it out. You know, LSU looks like they're trending in the right direction under a really good coach in Brian Kelly. Also recruiting well, unsurprisingly. Right. Um, I mean, there's obviously... TCU? Have you seen what TCU's doing? Yeah, at first I was like, aren't they just catching some breaks because they've played some backup quarterbacks? But it's like, I don't know, Painter. Eventually, it's kind of like my thing with South Carolina, who did lose. But it's like, you can complain about how South Carolina arrived at five and two, but they're still five and two. You can complain about how TCU got to wherever they are, but it's like they're a top ten team that's not losing games. I don't know what to tell you. So I guess points let me point something out here. The top seven offenses in college football this season in yards per play. Number one, Ohio State. No big surprise there. Number two, TCU, first year head coach, first year staff. A lot of the same players from last season for TCU, they're just in a system where they're clicking and making it work. Number three, Tennessee, second-year staff. They got the right quarterback, they got the right system, and they can put up points on anybody. They challenged Alabama to a track meet and won. Georgia, no surprise there. But, man, Georgia's moving the ball. It's not just, hey, we're playing defense. and right like they, Georgia's got a real-deal offense. Five, USC, first-year coach. Yes, it's USC. Yes, they're playing in the Pac-12. But they went and hired one of the best young coaches in the sport, one of the best offensive coaches in the sport, and it's worked out for them. Number six, Oregon, first-year staff. Bo Nix is their quarterback. Yes, they're playing in the Pac-12, but in year one they're moving the ball, and they look a lot better than they did last season on that side. Number seven, Kansas. The shine's gone off of Kansas a little bit. However, second-year coach was one of the worst programs in the country uh, before he took over. Florida State's number 11. I mean, like, like there's, well, there's points there where it's like now it's like people have been able to bounce back and turn around at the same time where Auburn's regressed. And you can talk about there's not being enough time or getting a fair shake for chances and all that, but I'm telling you this: whatever happened in February, all the reasons that it happened, all the reasons it got leaked out, all the things that spiraled out of control, just the vast network of chaos that that was, does not change the fact that Auburn has gotten worse on the field this year. And they took a step back even more. They took a step back last year. It's been even bigger this year. They have to win 
two of their final three SEC games and beat Western Kentucky at home to be bowl eligible. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really, really tough. Texas A&M might have a quarterback they've got figured out. I know they lost to Ole Miss, but they might have figured out some things at quarterback last night. It's... You can't be going backwards at a time where there's so many teams that are really good that are that are that have new coaching staffs that are that are taking a step forward, and you're in the most competitive backyard in the country. It does not work in well for everybody. Oklahoma's not lighting the world on fire this year. Virginia's not lighting the world on fire this year. Their coach Miami, both those teams played against each other yesterday. They're not they're not setting it off, but there's enough examples of places where it has worked and it's doing work that like. If you showed signs of progress, if you showed some some, you could see like okay, this is where more time needs to be invested, more patience. But there are no positives. You come off an off week and you look like the exact same team that has played beforehand. Nothing seemed to get better other than a few players played better, and it just didn't matter. That's the other thing. It's the crazy thing is that they got the game from Robbie Robbie Astrid they'd been waiting for. Didn't matter. And that's a pretty bad indictment of where Auburn football is right now. Which is why I would like to talk about Auburn basketball. We will talk about Auburn basketball because they've got an exhibition coming up on Wednesday. Season opener uh, in eight days. Before we do that, though, let's take care of some business. Thank you, everybody, for listening to this show. If you like it and you want more of it, you can subscribe to the Auburn Observer for $6 a month or $60 a year. There's links to subscribe in the description, or you can go to auburnobserver.com and sign up there. It's $6 a month or $60 a year for everything that you uh, that we have to offer you. So newsletters on Auburn football, men's basketball, or podcasts, one pretty much coming out every day of the week. Um, we'll have more on the AD situation. We'll have more on basketball and football and all that. A lot of stuff coming your way. It all gets sent to your email inbox, so every time we post a podcast or uh, we put out a newsletter, you get it as soon as it drops. You don't have to go to a website. You don't have to go to a link or anything like that. AuburnObserver.com. Check it out there. You can get a seven-day free trial if you want to test us out. But if you like this podcast and want more of it, we we do this show another time later in the week just for the people who subscribe uh, where we preview the games this week's premium podcast. We will preview Auburn, Mississippi State, talk about more what's going on, if anything, with Auburn's AD situation, and we'll have a basketball exhibition to talk about as well. So that'll be a pretty loaded premium show. Sign up there at auburnobserver.com. Also, if you want to help us out with no more money down, if you're a subscriber or a non-subscriber, what can you do, Painter? Rate, review, subscribe. Probably you're listening to this through Apple Podcasts. Maybe you're listening through Spotify. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Um, I know that you can rate and follow on Spotify. I do not believe that you can leave a review. That's okay. Uh, please do it on both if you feel so inclined. You can give us five stars on Spotify. I know that. Yep, yep, yep. So uh, that's how you can support the show with no money. And we do appreciate those of you who do. And the boys from Friends of the Program are itching to do another episode. So be looking out for one of those soon. So keep an eye out and an ear out for that. 
Um, if you give us a review on Apple Podcasts, we will read it on the air because we are vain, and also we like shouting you guys out for following instructions. It does really help us out. It's goofy. We're we're dumb weirdos. We know that, uh, but we it helps. It helps. It it gets more. The more reviews you leave, the more five star ratings, and the more written reviews, it just gets more. It can people. be like four words. Yeah. It takes like so, 20 seconds, and either way, we appreciate it. Whether you write a long... We've had people do poems, and we've had people leave like a review that says, I'm doing this because Justin told me to. Yep, that's all you got to do. Um, here's a review from CCS who says, Ready for basketball. Thanks for bringing renewed joy to the Auburn fan. Let's go. We'll talk about basketball here shortly. But thank you, CCS, for uh, a very... Uh, positive review, and those help. Those really help. And we'll talk basketball here. But before we do that, one more thing we got to get to. Homefieldapparel.com, folks. Homefield Apparel is the number one place to buy Auburn apparel. We're talking the most comfortable T-shirts, sweatshirts, and hoodies that money can buy. I basically live in Homefield stuff. You're going to want to get your hands on some Homefield if you don't have it already. You can also get Auburn Observer t-shirts at Homefield Apparel. Just search Auburn Observer shirt. You can buy it. It's very comfortable. It's very cool. You'll be stylish and classy um, like all of us want to be uh, with an Auburn Observer shirt. But if you want an Auburn University, if you want an Auburn Tiger shirt or hoodie, um, there's a lot of good ones. We're about to talk basketball. There's the there's the Peacock hoodie and t-shirt. There's a nice Ever to Conquer orange. Uh, it looks like very 90s, like very, very Beard Eves. Uh, vibes uh, t-shirt that you can get with the Leaping Tiger. Let's see what else you have here. There's uh, Auburn basketball where uh, Sailor Albee's putting his arm through the rim like uh, Vince Carter. That's on a t-shirt and a crew neck. Uh, and there is also a really sweet Auburn basketball hoodie, or I'm sorry, a Auburn basketball t-shirt with the original Aubie, uh celebrating the 1964 season. You can get that on a super soft white t-shirt. Homefieldapparel.com. It's 15% off your order if, if it's your first time at Homefield by using the promo code Observer at checking out. Buy some Auburn stuff, buy some Observer t-shirts, and uh, we appreciate Connor and Whitney and the gang uh, for helping some, helping us out uh, by printing our t-shirts and also supporting our show. They have been uh, our longest-running friends of the program, and we uh, really they're the only ad I would ever want to do on this podcast. going to be honest. Um but thank you to uh, to the to the gang from Homefield. All right, Painter, let's talk Auburn basketball. Auburn basketball's got an exhibition on Wednesday night against the University of Alabama at Huntsville. It's going to be really really intriguing to see what Auburn rolls out there on Wednesday night. It looks like I don't believe it is going to be available on streaming. The only folks who are going to be able to get their eyes on it are the people who are going to be in Auburn on Wednesday night. Uh, we'll have coverage, obviously. You can follow me on Twitter, and I'll have observations from the game. We'll talk about it as well in case you miss it. I'm telling you, Panner, I've been to basketball practice. Most of the basketball practices Auburn's had for the past month. Media days, had all the all the opportunities and all that. I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about what's going on with Auburn basketball right now. I'm telling you. Any starting lineup on Wednesday that includes Wendell Green Jr. at point guard, 
any of them would be would make sense to me. I'm telling you, the other four spots, I could see them going either way, in ter- at least in terms of who starts on Wednesday night and who maybe starts for the season opener on Monday. This is a deep team, and it's just it's constantly changing. There's the mixing and matching a plenty uh, from Bruce Pearl this preseason. We saw it in Israel. Uh, we saw that some in the um, in the uh, in the scrimmage we were able to to kind of uh, talk about and report about from pro day. Katie Johnson or Zepp Jasper at the two, yeah. Chris Moore or Alan Flanagan at the three, yeah. Jalen Williams or Yoan Treor at the four, yeah. Dylan Carwell or Janai Broom at the five, yeah. I You put any of those combinations on there, I would not be surprised by any one of them on Wednesday night. That is exactly where I think this basketball team is right now. Yeah, it seems like it'll be fluid through the first couple of games. We've talked about it a good bit. Auburn has a little ramp-up period with its non-conference schedule, you would think, anyway. Uh, where it probably gets an opportunity to see what works best against competition that isn't itself. And, you know, we, we it's pretty common knowledge. Like, it's nice to get out there and play people that aren't you because you get pretty familiar and it gets kind of tiresome and uh, Auburn should have the upper hand in a lot of these games early. But I still think it'll, you know, give some clarity to what those rotations look like. And then, as you pointed out, later in the season, some of these young guys might get more comfortable. We could see a shuffling of minutes later in the season. Uh, if if some of these young guys end up coming into their own in the back half of the season. The word coming out of the secret scrimmage against UAB was that Auburn played well. Um, may not have been a perfect game, things they would needed to work on, but, you know, there were leak box scores and all that, but it, it, the, the sense was Auburn did a good job against UAB. I mean, UAH is not UAB, obviously not a, not a D1 team. Um, believe last season I wasn't there for the exhibition last season because I was in Texas because I was right before Auburn played A&M they played Southern Indiana which is now a D1 team by the way Bruce's old uh stomping grounds uh with the Screaming Eagles and Auburn was a low score and won by 14 that game um I don't think they'll struggle as much against UAH just to see how it all kind of plays out just as a side note I don't know if you saw this painter Tennessee whooped up on Gonzaga in their exhibition. They had that charity exhibition on Friday night. Tennessee looks really good early. On the flip side, Arkansas lost by 30 to Texas in their exhibition. So those are two teams that are going to be right there in that contention level with Auburn. We know Alabama and TCU was was a secret scrimmage that got out and that Alabama didn't play really well. You had players at media days for Alabama talking about it. Um so it's like this is going to be more of, uh, you know, I think North Carolina played a played a D two team here recently, or you know, NAIA or something like that. Um, their preseason number one. It's going to be more along those lines. But uh, yeah, early on, I think it's this Auburn team, like you said, Brandon, they're going to get to ramp up here. You get George Mason, USF, Winthrop, um, Texas Southern, Bradley. They'll play either Northwestern or Liberty. They play St. Louis and Colgate. That St. Louis team is going to be pretty good. Play Colgate and then the big one against Memphis in Atlanta uh, on uh, December 10th. But, yeah, I think this is a team that can can mix and match and and show a lot of different stuff. I'm most curious, as I wrote last week at the Observer, most curious about the wings, the small forwards. I'm a believer, personally, in the Allen Flanagan revenge season. Uh, I I think he's – now – 
Do I think he's going to be the leading scorer on the team? Do I think he's going to be an all-SEC guy? Not going to go to not going to go that far. But I think I think you can see Allen Flanagan, you know, if he gets off to a good start, it could be uh, he's just got to get that confidence back in his offensive game. I think physically he's physically these first few games, he's going to be able to 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 overpower a lot of guys cuz he's just quicker and stronger than, you know, and just more physically capable than a lot of these guys that they're playing. It's just can you carry that confidence in when that when the when the games get tougher? On the flip side, you do have Chris Moore who is playing really good basketball here recently in the in in the preseason. And I think even if he's not the starter, even if Alan Flanagan becomes the guy that people think Alan Flanagan could be, I think you're gonna see Chris Moore get on the floor. We'll see about Chance Westry. Still looks like it's gonna be questionable for him in the first week. Might be a little while before we see him get back to full speed. That wing spot's just just really interesting. And then maybe maybe you maybe you see Auburn run a little three guard stuff. Um, that was such a fun experiment towards the end of last season for Auburn that I think in spurts could really work well because I think there is a lot of confidence in Wendell, in Zepp, and in KD. Um, and I think the Zepp and K the Zepp and KD debate on who starts and who comes off the bench. I mean, I think that could even be something that you play situationally or matchup wise. But I think there's value in KD coming off the bench as much as there is value in him starting. It could go either way. It really could go either way. And then in the front court, it's like newcomers who are still getting into the groove of things, still getting um, fully plugged into the offensive and defensive systems. And you got two guys in Dylan Carwell and Jalen Williams who have been here. They know what they're doing. Uh, Broom and and you know, Broom and uh, Treor may have more upside. May have you know may have been brought in to kind of be guy, the guys right now. But you can't, especially early in the season. You can't undervalue what the experience that those two guys bring back. And we know that off the bench, or even as starters, both of those guys, they can get on stretches where they look like some of the best players on the floor. I will say this other about the exhibition. There's going to be a lot of emphasis, especially early in the year, on looking at Auburn's three-point shooting numbers. Uh, Allegedly, uh, they were not great against UAB. Um, There were stretches last year where obviously it went went by the wayside. I know Auburn's really been working this offseason to get their three-point numbers up to be more efficient, whether you are you know, Wendell Green being more efficient or Katie Johnson uh, being less hot or cold. You don't have Jabari Smith anymore, but, like, look, Zepp shot a pretty good percentage from three-point last season. He's been a consistent three-point shooter throughout his career, maybe a higher volume for him. As more of a two-guard than a one could help out. And, yeah, just what do you get out of, like, Troyor's not going to be afraid to pull it from deep. You know Jalen Williams isn't afraid to pull it. Uh, and then I think Jani Broom could add that to his game a lot more than what we saw him do it at Moorhead State because that just wasn't it. Instead, he was more of a mid-range guy um, when he wasn't just backing dudes down into the basket and, and, and putting it on him. So the the shooting, I think if Auburn – doesn't light the world on fire with their jump shots early in the season, whether it's set, uh, Wednesday night against against UAH or the opener against George Mason or that first week before they go to Cancun. Um, don't freak out. Don't freak out. I think this team's going to be strong enough on defense. I think this team's going to be able to play it on the inside. They're going to be able to do some more old-school stuff, get some easier, higher-efficient baskets um, with the front court that they have, with the experience they've got coming back in the backcourt where they won't have to be as reliant on the three ball. So if Auburn doesn't shoot a great percentage early in the year, it's basketball. You know, it's it, 
teams get hot, teams get cold. Don't worry about it too much because I think this team's going to be better built to bounce itself out around it. I'm taking a more pessimistic view of the three-point shooting. Like, I'll believe it will be a strength of the team when I see it, but I, I've kind of leaned on what you just mentioned at the end there this offseason, which is that, like, you have more of a safety valve, I think, offensively and may not need to rely on that quite as much. That's my hope. And then also, I hope I'm wrong. Like, I'm, I'm about the three-point shooting, I hope it's really good and Auburn is better than I expect them to be. Uh, but I am kind of following that last thing you said where it's like, even if they're not the best three-point shooting team this year, I think you have a workaround. Yeah, I don't think Auburn's going to necessarily be – like the last three seasons they have not put up good three-point shooting numbers, but we know that was a strength of theirs. Uh, the first tournament team, obviously the Final Four team, took a ton of threes and hit a lot of threes. It's a different makeup. It's a different style. But, yeah, I think it's kind of like that 2020 team that, that got their season cut short you have some workarounds if you're not shooting well from deep. Like, that team did not particularly shoot well from deep. They were 30%. Actually, I think it's the worst that they've had. But what that team did do well was they scored around the rim pretty well. They had Wiley. You know, Okora was a good slasher. Um, Samir Dowdy, you know, stepped it up. Javon McCor. Like, that was a team that was really clicking towards the end of the season. Uh, And then, you know, they, they shot. If you remember correctly, that that last game they played against Tennessee, they they teed off on them from deep. Um, so I, I think it might be a little bit more streaky like that. But like you said, they're gonna there there are gonna be some counters to it. They're gonna be able to be balanced out. Um, and I think the other thing is this team is gonna need time to grow together and gel together because there are some new pieces in the front court. It's gonna be a new style. You did run so much of your offense and so much of your defense was based on what Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler did. Um, last season so the fact that you don't play a top you don't play a top 100 team on paper in Ken Palm until Memphis or I'm sorry until St. Louis um you get about five four or five games to to figure that out now George Mason like there's a lot of teams that are in the in the 100s like George Mason's on the verge of being a top 100 team South Florida's good Winthrop's good you're not gonna have complete pushovers like Texas Southern Texas Southern is the only team right here I see that Auburn is projected to beat by more than 20 on Kempom. And, and uh, Georgia State is another one as well later on in the year. But um, I think these will be games where you'll get some, you'll get stuff out of them, even if you're not necessarily, you know, down to the wire with them. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, you'll be favored, but you're not expected to just – you know, run through every single non-conference team. And we talked about some. This is not a, a non-conference schedule that has a bunch of powers on it, but it has a bunch of competent programs on it. Yeah, it's like UCF. They beat them by 17 last year. Uh, Auburn beat, you know, they had that really tough game, that comeback win at St. Louis. They play them again this year. Murray State, we all know, was a really good team. Auburn won by double digits last season. You know, they had some games where they won by 20 or around in the ver- thereabouts in, in that year or so. Yeah, you got you got some of that. You got some of that to your to your early non-conference schedule that you got to work on. But yeah, like I said, I, be I, I'm interested to hear what Bruce Pearl has to say on Tuesday about where he feels about with his lineup or anything. I wouldn't be surprised if he says, "Well, we feel like we got one, but we're we're still trying to figure some stuff out there." Again, any combination of those other eight guys would not surprise me in the least bit. 
And I think when Chance Westry gets back into the fold fully healthy, he throws another wrench into it. Maybe not as much in the starting lineup from the beginning, but how the rotation works out looks really different based on if he's available or not. So, yeah, keep an eye on uh, keep an eye on that because that's going to be a, a really fascinating um, early stretch here for Auburn. Don't despair. We've got uh, we've got some good things on the horizon. And we appreciate and those of you who have rocked with us during what has been a, a tumultuous football season. Right? Yeah. I mean, there are some people who have who have uh, who haven't been, have checked out a little bit, and we get it. We understand it. Basketball this sucks. The football stuff sucks. It's just it sucks for me, the person that wants the team to win for selfish reasons because it's tied too much to my ego, and it, yeah, it's hard for Ferg to write a good story when the team's getting their stuff pushed in. Like, there's only so much you can say in a film room when it's like, okay. Yeah, I don't know if we're getting a full-scale film room on Monday. I just, I, I, I'm worried that, to be honest, I'm worried that the stuff I'm writing, the stuff I'm coming up with with football, it's just it's the same stuff every week. And it's like, that's just, nobody wants to read that. Nobody wants to hear that. But it's just like, it's true. It's true. And the way things are trending right now, at least it might not be this way for at least in terms of, <laughs> yeah, at least in terms of me saying the same stuff every week, right, uh, right, might not be going for. But we have basketball coming up, and we'll have playing basketball coverage this week. But like, man, I mean, I felt it. Uh, that stadium just kind of was like, ah, eh, okay. Oh, even on this TV, is, uh, it was like, oh, this is gross. Yeah. This is very gross. And I guess it's probably, you know, we're getting to the point of the year where uh, gymnastics. I know we don't cover it, but we might have to have our friend back on at some point, Justin Lee, and talk some gymnastics down the line. I know more and more of y'all have jumped into that as uh, the program seems to be elevating. Well, I'll tell you this. Last week's mailbag had like four times as many basketball questions as football questions. So kind of can figure out where the where the fan base's head is at, right? At least for those of you who listen and read. Now, we'll always have football stuff. We'll always keep track of it. But like, it's my whole thing. is like, I want to cover basketball as – in depth and as fluidly, um, you know, as constantly, I should say, not fluidly, um, as, as football, I want to do, I want to do basketball as much as that. And at least in the interest level, that's going to be that point. It's going to be that point for sure. All right. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate everybody listening again. Rate, review, subscribe on Apple podcast. If you can, it helps us out a ton. Um, send in your mailbag questions this week. Uh, we'll see what we have in terms of the AD situation here in the next day or so. Um, again, by the time this comes out, you might already know. <laughs> by the time you're listening to this, you might already know one way or another. Uh, but we'll have coverage of that, obviously, as well. Um, like I said, probably won't do a full-scale film room on Monday, but, um... We, I will definitely have something here from Auburn, Arkansas as we look ahead to Auburn, Mississippi State, and basketball will get underway here this week as well. So plenty of stuff. It's a great time to jump on the Observer if you haven't already. AuburnObserver.com. We'll be back later this week to talk the exhibition and the Mississippi State game. That's it for me. I'm tired of talking. Painter. That off-season vacation to Mexico going to hit different this year.
Oh, God.